Good morning, good day, and good evening. I'm as always your host, Brody Robertson, and today we have someone from the Thunbird Project on. Welcome to the show, Ryan Sipes. How you doing? Doing really well. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I'm awake a touch earlier than I normally would be, but I don't know if that's better than the normal time I record, which is often at 1.30 in the morning, so... Neither is optimal, but we're here anyways. Yeah, see, I'm on, I don't know how old you are, but I made the transition to what I consider to be an old man when I went from staying up late to waking up early. And so uh, it's not so crazy for me, but Mm. uh, this is not abnormal for me because the Thunderbird team is very distributed. In fact, we have a few folks in New Zealand. And so, Ah. you know, scheduling across folks in Europe, US, and New Zealand is extraordinarily challenging, um, but doable. <laughs> Your time, what would it like, what time would a meeting normally be, or does it like shift around based on the specific meeting? It shifts, it shifts. Um, it's accommodating everyone. Right. Or not, maybe not everyone. We really never have a meeting where everyone is present, <laughs> except for very special occasions. Yep, yep. But, uh, Accommodating all three time zones requires some creativity and and folks to be a little flexible and say, okay, yeah, maybe I'll start work later and and stay around at my desk later. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah. like an absolute disaster. Just getting two time zones to work is hard enough. Just add any more in that. Like that's why I typically don't do three person podcasts unless I know that like yep. the people I'm talking to are in a similar enough time zone. It's like, you know, one's in MST, one's in EST. Like, that's easy enough. We can deal with that. Don't throw in, like, GMT in there. I don't know what I'm going to do. I used to think it was a big weakness that we were so distributed. Mm -hmm. But now I see, as we've managed to get more organized, that it makes, it forces us to write things down Mm -hmm. and share things with each other versus, like, just rattling it off and then, at a meeting mm-hmm. and that's actually helpful because then it's down on paper or you know in this case and in, in a doc but then everybody can look at it and refer back to it instead of just something someone said offhand so it can be a superpower but it's 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 a difficult thing to to navigate yeah i i have absolutely no doubt about that <laughs> now i'm sure most people watching this like are aware of thunderbird but for anyone that isn't how about we just start with Like, what is Thunderbird, and why would somebody even want to use it in the first place? Yeah. So how a lot of people would describe Thunderbird is it's probably the, not probably, it's for sure the most popular open source email client Mm -hmm. on the planet, um, measured by the number of users. We have, uh, depending on how you do the math, about 20 million, you know, users and uh the and it's been around for a long long time it's been around for 20 years um in various forms and so it's by no means a new project and it's built that user base over a long time um but i would i would add an extra layer that folks probably don't typically think about when it comes to thunderbird which is it's it's more than just an email client because Mm -hmm. A lot of times I get we get compared to Geary and, and other folks, and those are great projects, but they're not a one-to-one replacement for Thunderbird because Thunderbird has a very extensive 
features around calendaring and around task management and around a number of other areas where you that you don't typically find in other clients. And mm -hmm. so um, I would go a step beyond to say it's it's more like a communication suite or something like that or a personal information manager. Mm -hmm. But for for the sake of ease, you know, most people, including us, describe it as primarily an email client. Right, right. So something like Geary would be more akin to like Outlook, whereas this does that as well, and then a hundred other things. Yeah, yeah, and it does it. It it's the thing that I'm pitching. This is my pitch to all all the folks listening who aren't using it currently. Like, it not only does them, but it's it's been around so long and it's had so many domain experts contribute to it mm -hmm. that it does things in ways that are like incredible that have like the problem space has been thought through so thoroughly in Thunderbird that like when we look at other clients and we see how they're doing some things, it's like, oh, well, there are going to be cases where that doesn't work right. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in Thunderbird, you've got 20 years of, of knowledge and expertise going into like, in this scenario, this needs to behave this way. And in this, and I think about that all the time, just with like calendaring and just handling different types of email accounts mm -hmm. and, and how robust it is. So sorry, that's my pitch to everybody, but like um, it's, 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 it really is apple to oranges. And I would say that of the proprietary applications, you know, when I think about what's out there, like Outlook is probably the closest to what we are. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there are, beyond that, there are very few that I think occupy our same space. This doing like everything is one of the it's one of the great things about Thunderbird, but in the same vein, it's also one of the things I often hear like criticized about Thunderbird because yeah. it does so much. Like, you know, if you're just looking for an email client, it's a great email client. I mainly just use it for that and a bit of calendaring. But I can understand why for people like that, like maybe something else does just that. It, that specific focus maybe better or maybe just as good without the rest of the extra stuff that you just yeah. don't need to think about. Yeah. I, I think that it's a fair, it's a fair point. Uh, I will say that one thing that we've really focused on, and if you go to our website, thunderbird.net, we really got into this lately mm -hmm. is uh, we were talking about like what makes Thunderbird um, unique mm -hmm. And um, one thing that we kept coming back to is like, you see, I see it all the time in talking to users. Mm -hmm. There are so many users with radically different Thunderbird experiences because the ability to customize mm -hmm. is so extreme that, you know, I, I swear I've seen things that don't even look like Thunderbird, but they are. You know, that someone is heavily customized for their use case. And what I would argue is like, you don't have to use calendar and you don't even have to make that, that, that whole thing. If you don't turn anything on in that area, mm -hmm. nothing is happening there. No processes are running around calendar. You're nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. And like, you can cherry pick, you know, what you want your experience to be. And I'm very confident at this point that like, you know, 
folks should take the Thunderbird and if they already have a tool that works in one area like calendar, mm -hmm. use it for email and stand it up beside your current email client mm -hmm. and like give it an honest try, not just an hour, like spend a week with it. And I guarantee that you'll find that there's just far more that you can do and a lot more that you can tailor to your workflow than than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've personally been using Thunderbird, I want to say like three or so years, because before that I just did the whole, you know, web client thing that, which is what most people do. We'll get into the web client thing yeah. in a moment. Um, and I, like for me at least, I use it in a fairly, I guess, normal way. I don't really do that much customization to it. I have all of my 12 different email accounts listed out in the sidebar. Yeah. Uh and for me, I guess it's just unlike the web client thing where you have to like swap. Oh, like I'm logged into this one. I'm yeah. logged into this one. Oh, yep. Yeah. It's just all in one place. I can go through all my emails like real quickly. And for me, just that by itself is convenient enough. But on the topic of the, the web client thing, with web clients nowadays being like, you know, such a standard thing, no matter what email provider you're using, pretty much most of the major ones provide some sort of web client. Why does an email client still matter? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and a few years ago, I, it would have been, not a few years ago, I've been at Thunderbird for a long time now, like seven or eight years ago, this would have been a really challenging question for me, but having... There's, there's many dimensions to this answer. Mm -hmm. One, data sovereignty. I've now heard of folks who have been locked out of Gmail or their email provider over, you know, even if it's just a misunderstanding mm -hmm. or some, some, some just issue, like there's many issues that can pop up, but they get locked out. Okay, they spend months trying to get back in. And during that time, they don't have access to their their like digital life like you know or someone's like oh i i need to find this i need to read this email like having the control of your data and having a local copy of your email mm -hmm. is like very useful um in that respect uh and of course you know there are other people who are like well i love that i can be on a plane and not connected to internet and drafting emails or just reviewing emails and replying to them. And then when I hit the ground, everything goes and, you know, and so there's that too. Um, and then I'll take another tack to answer this question, which is what does your email experience look like using these webmail platforms? Of course, you know, there are good ones, but they're all, but the main ones are bad. <laughs> <laughs> in in a few a few key ways, um, one is they're trying to monetize you, and uh, you know we've recently you like ads had a, in your email client. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and we've had a lot of people come over who are just like, I don't like that. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't. It feels like, you know, it's not. It, it degrades the email experience, um, and uh, you know there are no ads. In Thunderbird, as we'll get to, there are 
a couple of donation appeals every year, but mm -hmm. overall, like, but that doesn't show up as an email. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. just you it's know a clear uh, separation. Yeah, and, and that's a problem actually too. Is um, it, it? I, I, it's hard because I I have a Gmail account. And I had stopped going to Gmail for a while, even though I try to make sure I'm going just to see what's what the experience is like. But I there was this there was this time period where I didn't log in to the actual webmail mm -hmm. and uh, to check out what was what it looked like. And when I went back, maybe the ads were there the whole time, you know. But I saw them, and and I saw them, and I was like, and they look like emails. They're yep. they're at the top. And I thought that was so gross. And so, and now Outlook's doing that too. And so it's it's really, um, it's really not uh, a great experience. I think it I think it really does make the experience worse. And and it's also a little tricky. I know it says add, but you know, like it it it's not clear separation. And and I don't love that. And so, I don't know. Hey, well, oh, sorry, I was, I was gonna say I don't know how you like go through your emails but when you have like a hundred emails there i don't pay attention to the entire thing i'm like okay who's it from what's the start of the the subject say yeah and it's probably like some nonsense from some website i signed up to a mailing list for and just didn't realize delete 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 i'm not paying attention to like the entire email line unless i'm already sure that like that's an email i care about yeah and and then uh, on that you know kind of related to that, I'll make one more case, mm -hmm. which, uh, well, no, I'll make your case again, mm -hmm. which is uh, you're not having to go up and click your little avatar to change accounts if you have multiple accounts. This is something that on desktop is very helpful. And and, it, and it's just, maybe it's just invisible to me now because I'm so used to having all my, but, you know, with, with the addition to K9 to our family, and me plugging in and really trying to get make sure all my accounts are in there and everything on mobile it's just like a game changer like i just i'm using the unified inbox there are a lot of accounts in there they're color coded so i can see what message the account is associated with and it just allows me to really quickly manage my email versus gmail where you're okay you're in one account now click change the user account and it's just not as fast. And so that makes life simpler and and, make, and doesn't burn your time so much. Um, but the last thing that I'll say is we, we I talk about this with, with the folks who contribute to Thunderbird all the time, like what, what's another thing that separates us? And that's that a lot of my conversations these past two years have been around what's actually healthy for a person, and I don't. Not so many of those features have made it into Thunderbird yet. But mm -hmm. you know what? We're not trying to manipulate your brain to do a specific thing that benefits our bottom line. Mm -hmm. Like there's no dark patterns. There's no stickiness. Like let's get them trapped in their inbox or whatever. Like we're strictly trying to provide the best email experience. Period. And honestly. I freaked out some folks on the team when I said this. I would like to find ways to help folks spend less time in their inbox, mm -hmm. you know, and know that Thunderbird is the email app that actually helps me 
not spend, you know, four hours a day in my email, which we some folks tell me that they do. And I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> you know, like that's half your working day spent on email. That's mm-hmm. there's actual work you probably should be doing. And, and, uh, and so, you know, a victory for me will be finding ways to promote well-being around email and around your inbox and helping you get through it so you can do the things that you actually want to do mm-hmm. with your time. I definitely want to expand upon that if there's anything that you feel comfortable like saying publicly before it's actually done. But before that, um, the Gmail situation is actually the the good example of switching accounts. Like That's where it's not that inconvenient. I started using Thundermail at Thunderbird. Thunderbird. I mixed. I put Canine Mail and Thunderbird together. Thunderbird. <laughs> when I started going to university, because my university they use Outlook, and then you might have a job that uses something else, and then I have my Gmail. So you've got all of these, yeah. all of these different services. None of the webmails connect to each other. So. Yeah. You've got to like just jump around like, okay, wait, was it on this service? Was it on that service? And it's just a giant nightmare to actually manage that. Then you have something like Thunderbird and it's just like, boop, all there. Yep. Check the box, it's done. And that's, that's a good point. And that's, that's, the, that's the killer thing. Like I think about a family member and it's so funny because you're so deep in, in it sometimes mm-hmm. that you forget about the best pitches for it. Because mm-hmm. I remember a family member being like, they had their Yahoo account, they had their yeah. Gmail account, they had their whatever work account, and they were like, and we were talking about Thunderbird and and it wasn't right away, it was like partway through the conversation, I was like, no, 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 actually, you know what? If you use Thunderbird, you can have all these in one place. Yep. And they were like, holy crap, I didn't, you know, like they didn't even consider that, they weren't like super tech savvy, but they didn't even consider that there's a product that could yeah. save them that time of app switching and 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 put that information in one place. And what's also cool about that is it's all in Thunderbird and it's all those accounts are searchable, you know, whereas like if they're in these different data, they're in these different places, you can't search across them, you know, but in Thunderbird, you'll be you'll actually be able to say like, actually I don't remember if that came in on that my junk email address or my real email address, but if I search Thunderbird, I'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's a that's a killer feature too. It's a good. I'm glad you're here, Brody. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people for, like when you are very into whether it be Linux, whether it be Thunderbird, whether it be any of these like really techy things. It's easy to uh, easy to forget the things that appeal to the regular person because you've been using it a long time. You understand like the ins and outs of this system and understand like oh you know it's great to have my calendar directly load events that I send from an email like that's great but to someone who's just using a web client like just the fact that all the stuff is together is such a big appeal like that by itself should be the main focus yep yep agreed and you know where we call that out to it in in like on the website mm-hmm. which we have a new website it's beautiful but like freedom <laughs> from chaos and it and the like subtitles waste less time finding browser tabs, which is like the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. like we're going to consolidate this and we're going to make it, you know, awesome. And so you're, you're exactly right. And um, not to jump ahead, but, you know, a lot of that was what drove, you know, this big 
rewrite that we did, mm -hmm. which was like, we have all these really cool features, but how do we make sure that everybody actually can discover them and use them and understands them? And uh, and so anyway, we've been thinking a lot about that. Mm -hmm. Good point. So what were you going to say before about like spending less time in your emails? I, as if, if there's nothing you want to say because you've not actually got it done yet, we can skip over this topic, but... We've, we've teased it a number of places. One thing that I would love to see is I want on a per account level mm -hmm. to on both my phone and my computer mm -hmm. to selectively um, put accounts into sleep or or make okay. them go away at certain time periods or for or for certain time periods. So like, you know, I we call it vacation mode or we called it like weekend mode where you know you're you're done with work you still are like with canine it's still going to be in your pocket but you're like i don't really need to know if somebody sends a message at work at this point right, right. i don't want to be i don't want that to disrupt my evening so in, instead of having to turn off your notifications for that entire app we're going to be more granular granular and allow people to say this account gets snoozed if i go to it on purpose in the app, you know, obviously show me everything, but otherwise, you know, don't like let that be invisible for this time period. Or when you're on vacation, that's the same thing applies. And that's one example of, of a feature that I think will enable people to be, you know, better with their, with their attention and their time and, and being present. <laughs> Because I think email, as much as I make an email application and I love email, I also think it's an enormous distraction from when you're trying to do other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm bad at replying to my emails. So for me, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I let other things take up my time that shouldn't be, like social media. Um, so I'm not much better. It's just <laughs> I replace one thing yeah. with another thing. Um, right now you can obviously like, delete the entire email, but that's not like, the entire account from like, Thunderbird. Like that's not great because then you like you have to like re-add it. Yeah. And can you manually disable it without like fully deleting it? There are a number of ways to accomplish this, but none of them are right. Like, There's no automatic way to do it. It's like, hey, I yeah. want to, I want to snooze this between, say, you have a job where you don't have to answer emails like out of work, like you're, you're not an yeah. important person at the position. It's like after five p.m., don't talk to me. It's like, okay, you can snooze it from, you know, five thirty or whatever to whatever time you start the next day. Yeah, that would be, yeah, yeah that would exactly. be really cool. Yeah, and and there have been some other ideas where you know that's the one that I think is most likely to make it in mm -hmm. in a reasonable time frame. That folks will see uh, soon enough, but I think that the other ones are like still ideating. You know, it's a question of like, is the feature that that does this is it worth the time? Is it actually going to have that much of an impact? I think a feature like that would. Mm -hmm. I you know the other ones, it, it's hard because you have to know people don't really use email the same way. Like a lot of people have a lot of different strategies for how they manage their inbox. Mm -hmm. And so what you try to do is you try to figure out, well, what are the what are the workflows we can provide that hit the most amount of people? 
and and uh, that that's challenging. So there are some other ideas, but none that none that I think are like as good as that one at this point. But I I wouldn't be surprised if we have you know some real like three to five really marquee like good well-being i call them well-being features and annoys our it annoys the thunderbird community that i call them that because they they have other names for them but i for me it they're well-being features they're features that allow you to to put um guardrails around how much of a distraction email is in your life hmm. no i think that's Wait, one thing, wait, okay. I don't know if you can do this already, but obviously when you get an email, you get a notification if the client's open. Can you set it up right now where you only get notifications from certain dresses that come in? There's a, there are ways to do it, but they're not. Once again, these, this is like where we can do a lot of good work. And that's a good, that's a good feature. That's a good feature, VIP type feature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is... There are ways to do it, but the, we, they can be approved so that everybody knows right. and can discover those easily. And I think that's been the problem with Thunderbird and and probably the thing that was the hardest when I came on is talking to folks and they're like, I wish I could do this. Or, I, or the more common was I left Thunderbird because I couldn't do this. And me knowing like you can do that, but that it's like, a, in a menu in a menu yeah yeah and you have to poke around a while to figure out how to do it and uh and that really started to to change that really started to tell me that we had to like change the ux in order to make it so that people could see the power of thunderbird and and, and make use of this what is a power tool mm -hmm. without having to like get through a wall of text yeah to figure yeah. out how to do it i guess that's one of the problems you have with something having so many features over so many years like there's going to be parts of the code base that were written you know 10 plus years ago that still yeah. work just fine today but the ux they were designed with then is not the way that you would go about it now and in going back through the history of thunderbird thunderbird itself has gone through some crazy times because, you know, it spun out in 2015 mm -hmm. and and to the community. And the community is why it's alive. But during that time, the there wasn't anybody working on it full time for a while. Mm -hmm. And so the the barrier to entry for making a patch that gets in was did you make the patch? Right. Doesn't work. Okay, put it in. And I I'm sure that your audience, given that they are familiar with open source projects, they had all these people scratching their own itch, but they're just like, they're engineers, you know, they're like, just put the button there. It's fine. Like, and like <laughs> the problem is it just got crazy. And and uh, a lot of our work, even though I get yelled at on the internet for it is saying like, this is a great feature, but you know, where it is, it's either one of two ways. It's either not prominent enough because it's a feature that needs people need to be able to discover, mm -hmm. or it's too prominent for having only a thousand people out of the 20 million who actually use it. Right. And so 
you know, that's, that's a real hard thing. And, and, you know, when you change it, you get those thousand people yelling at you, like, you know, why isn't this like right in the main area of the app? And it's like, well, it's because nobody uses it except for you. So we put it in the settings because we still think it's important, but it's not important enough to warrant that mm-hmm. screen space that, that it took up before. And, um, and yeah, and do, and, and look at that over 20 years of all these different stages Thunderbird went to. And we've, we've got a lot of, um, not just technical debt, but, but, uh, I guess just UX debt and, and, and other things. There's, there's so many dimensions that that exists in. And, mm-hmm. and that's probably our, has been our biggest challenge too, um, is, is coming into the project after 20 years and as, after a few years of, um, not really having anybody who is working on it full time and then having a lot of cleanup to do. So when did you get involved with the project? So I was around in some ways, but not in a prominent way. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was at System76 in 2016, I think I joined System76 in 2015, but I was around and I wasn't really contributing. I was just kind of sharing thoughts with folks because um, when I was at System76, we would get a deployment of um, a bunch of System76 computers at like a university. Mm -hmm. So their entire engineering computer lab might be like System76 computers running Ubuntu. Mm And they, I kept getting this question from all these groups saying, what email client should we be using on these machines? Because like when we deploy Windows, we, the Outlook is what right, we right. encourage people to use. But, you know, in this engineering department of this company, Outlook isn't an option. So what, should we use Evolution? Should we use Thunderbird? Should we use, you know, what's the best thing? And mm-hmm. Um, it really bothered me because I was looking at them and I was like, there were problems with each of the solutions, really clear problems. And uh, so I actually had a hard time deciding what to recommend to folks. And then um, I saw in 2017, Mm -hmm. a job come up for community manager at Thunderbird. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's, I can, that's a way for me to, it was only contract like part-time. I was like, I'll just spend my after hours, after work at System 96, just helping them get their stuff together. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously that changed over time. Uh, I'm managing director of like the subsidiary that Thunderbird sits in now. And so my, my trajectory has been quite crazy, but um, that was in 2017 that I joined and, uh, I was pretty clear when I joined, I remember like the interview process, which was all community members. Cause that's who was running the project. And they asked, you know, like, what, do, what would I kind of like, what was my feedback or what would I change if I came in? And I just kind of went down the list of like things that I had gotten from my time at system 76, like there was like this these things prevent people from 
you know, deploying it in these different places. And they agreed. And, you know, we, and that started that out. But, um, but then I, I, I don't think people realize in saying that, I don't think people realize when I came on, just how close Thunderbird was to extinction. Mm-hmm. Like it was in really, really bad shape. We couldn't consistently even get the product to build, you know, and um, and we didn't have enough people actively working on it to to prevent breakages because we're downstream from Firefox. We share a lot of the same code, mm-hmm. and the Firefox folks, which it isn't their fault, they shouldn't have to worry about breaking Thunderbird, and that's why that's part of the reason Thunderbird got spun out to begin with is they were having to make all these concessions that were slowing down the improvement of Firefox because they didn't want to break Thunderbird. Right. And eventually they were like, like Firefox needs to be, that's our product that's used by hundreds of millions of people. Like we need to make sure that we can keep up with Chrome and, you know, the other uh, browsers. And so they made a good decision, but, um, and Thunderbird just was never in a position to take care of itself, to, to keep up with those changes, mm-hmm. um, let alone contribute back useful things. Right. Like if you're not even able to keep up with the changes, you're not benefiting upstream, which is a good thing for a project to do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so anyway, there were a lot of problems there. But what, what, we talk about donations and I know, you know, you did the video and everything and what my contention was, mm-hmm. I kept thinking all the time, like, cause I had, I'd been at system 76, but before that I had started a startup called Mycroft, which was a um, open source, like Amazon, Alexa, yeah, Amazon Echo type thing. Okay. Right. right um, okay. And, uh, I remember thinking like 20 million users. That's a like, lot of people. Yeah, I would have like, maybe this is this is not true, but you know, <laughs> the, the thing I had, would say at the time is I would have killed for 20 million users, you know, on my product before. But what I kept thinking is these users don't know that Thunderbird is in this bad shape. And if it disappears, it's going to cause a lot of people a lot of pain. And, you know, there was actually an argument at the time because I kept kind of saying like, hey, we need to let our users know that what's what's happening. And we also need to like tell them that we need their support so that we can hire some engineers to help us keep up with just the changes that are happening. What year would and, this be in? Uh, what's that? What year would this be in? This would have been 2018. It okay. started probably in 2018. I the the thought I had the thought at the beginning, but but you know as I learned more about how it all worked, mm-hmm. I began to kind of think like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And and what was funny is, and this this is something that I know you want to talk about, is so many of the open source developers treated this idea of asking our users to support us with money as like the worst idea anyone has ever raised. And and I understand that because my background is open source more than anything else. Like 
been in these communities since, you know, I was like 14. And like, so I get, I understand where they're coming from, but, you know, at the same time, like if the, if folks can't, if the community of folks who are volunteering can't actually maintain the software alone, then you, then you need to like figure out a way to maintain it. Cause you know, like, I don't think anybody wanted to see it go extinct, but they were, they thought it was kind of um, ta maybe tacky or something to ask the users for money. Yeah. I don't know if there's a better word for that, but they just felt mm. uncomfortable asking for, for money. Sure, sure. And so that, but that's what we ultimately did. We, yeah. we managed to get on the same page and, and I remember the first couple of appeals were like very small, very like yeah. What I I only saw it when like the web page popped up with the UI update. Like what were the earlier ones? Yeah. Well, we made it more prominent on the start page, which is the thing that shows up before you actually like choose an email, mm -hmm. and um, and that helped. And then um, we made when we updated, I started including a donation link there on the update page and it was small too but it, it enough people clicked it that it, it made a pretty big difference and so we're talking about you know a few hundred thousand dollars to then okay we had our first like one point well, i don't remember what it was 1.2 million dollar year mm -hmm. and um and that, that sounds like a lot of money and i i i love that the community i love that everybody's like man the first when that happened like and i I was a treasurer at the time on like Thunderbird Council too, so I produced the reports for the donations and everything. And I shared that out with the community and they're like, they essentially they were like, Thunderbird's loaded. And I was like, well, if you start counting up where that money goes, because it's not just like you have a million dollars, now you can hire eight to 10 engineers or however many it is. Distributing Thunderbird costs money. <laughs> All the, and the infrastructure to do that is pretty intense. And there's all these just costs around distributing this much software that is just pretty big in and of itself. Well, just the fact and, that you have, like, seven, if you had 700,000 and you're like a, some random terminal app, like that, yeah, you would be loaded. But you have 20 million users. Like, yeah. that by itself is expensive. Yeah, and there's a like bug reports, like we still get slammed for not keeping up with bug reports. Mm -hmm. 20 million users produces a ton of bug reports. And we, we, I, we, you know, we have folks who comb through them individually. And then we have systems that we build and constantly update to try and help us triage them. And like mm -hmm. that, is, that alone is like, to your point, is an expensive activity. Yeah, yeah. Cause you want to catch the stuff that's like bad, like Thunderbird deleted, an email that I didn't delete or, you know, things like that. But combing through all of the reports to get to that is, is a gargantuan task. And, but it worked and it allowed me to continue to pitch ideas to everyone. Like, can we do this? Can we do that? And the one, the golden place I wanted to get, which like, let's show it in the application to everyone. Yeah. And no one wanted to do that. Like, do a full page thing. And I understand that, but I thought, okay, but if we do that once a year, I mean, Wikipedia, you know, 
take a couple times a year takes over your before you can even scroll to the content of the article, you get this big appeal from you know Mr. Wales and it says, "Ah, oh, we need your help." And uh, right now I feel like they are. Let me have a look. Yeah, they are. Yeah, okay. but it's like, but I never felt angry about that, you know. And that's what I was trying to tell folks is like, most of the time, if you see these appeals, people don't get angry. They just glance at it for a couple seconds and then move on, or they don't. Like you're the, those are the two things. And, and, uh, so ultimately, fortunately folks agreed. And cause you know, you, in this in this setting where the community has been running the project for multiple years, you don't do anything by, there's no BDFL. I know the internet thinks that there is, you know, but there really isn't. And, uh, so you, you, kind of have to bring everybody along and con convince them and have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And they're good conversations to have because you could be, it could be terrible. Like you could really exhaust people by like doing all these terrible pop-ups and things that annoy the hell out of people. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to do that obviously, but, and that, that was a few years on, that was in 2021, I think, right? No, well, 2021, we did, a more aggressive update appeal. Mm -hmm. So we made it larger in the, here's the update. This is what you get, by the way, like donate. Mm -hmm. And then last year, 2022, we did a completely distinct. So we did the update one with the bigger, you know, it's, it's like, here's your update, by the way, donate to support us. And then at the end of the year we did, Hey, Thunderbird needs you to, stay alive and to to provide a decent experience and that was where that was where we saw the big jump from like two point seven million to six million yeah and uh and that was good i mean that was a good thing that we did and it and to say that it has fixed a ton of problems in thunderbird land would be a massive understatement so back in 2017, where it says 736,000, what, what, did, what did that mean for Thunderbird? Like, what sort of state was it in when it had that sort of funding? And then what sort of state is it in now where you have a lot more to work with? Yeah. So when I came on, that was at 700 and some thousand. Mm -hmm. That was, there were a couple places. The start page had a little appeal mm -hmm. and then people there was a donate on the website but it wasn't it didn't we didn't ask like up front you just had to click the button and donate and, and thank god people did it and like how, uh, how how far did that money really stretch with a project like thunderbird so we had three people mm -hmm. uh i was part-time so two and a half i guess and then in for paying for infrastructure and that ate a lot of the that ate a lot of the money mm -hmm. um yeah. And in that next year, that bump up, like that allowed us to add a couple more engineers, which started to help us. Like we got to the point where at least we're not broken all the time. Right. Right. And, but every year that you see that go up is like a few more engineers, a few, you know, a, less breakages that are holding back 
fixing bugs and and rolling out features. But mostly it was that first category. It's like, as if we're not broken, we can fix bugs. Mm-hmm. And that was for multiple years. And it wasn't really until the year before Supernova mm-hmm. 102 that I felt like we finally got to roll out some improvements to the actual way that Thunderbird works. Mm-hmm. So you're talking four years until we actually got to a place where we could look a little bit yep. around and say, well, what what can we fix? What's what's what are the things that would improve our users' lives beyond just like real true bugs that you know shouldn't be happening at all. And I, I'm sure some you've probably heard someone say, "Oh, if you have seven hundred thousand, think about all of the engineers you could hire with that." And obviously, paying for the infrastructure as well. Like, look, you could hire way more people than that. Like, just run it on, run it on red, just as close to the line as possible. But I imagine the concern there would be, is the funding going to be consistent? Like, are we going to have enough the following year, or do we have to just fire a bunch of people? Like, can we yeah. actually do this? People don't remember, I get, I have gotten that before. People don't remember that you're talking about people's employments and their, and their livelihoods. And you have a responsibility when you start hiring people, you know, or even contracting to at least be, provide some level of stability, not, and not just for them actually, for the project too, because you can't make plans if you don't have some stability. So you are right. We we always tried to be sustainable mm-hmm. and to not count on uh, us being as successful the following year as we were that year. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone will tell you who has worked with me on Thunderbird that I'm incredibly optimistic, and I will I will gloat and say that I called every single. Uh, within a very small margin of like 2% mm-hmm. every single year, our performance. And so um, on revenue and, and so that, but that was a, that was crazy optimism. And I, I admit that like mm-hmm. lots of people told me you're crazy, you know, you can give it a try, but I don't think that's gonna work. But what I always plan for in the back of my head is like let, in actually budgeting it out, what happens if that doesn't materialize? Right. What What do I have planned already for if we do half that we did last year? Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought, I thought there's always a chance that people that we've saturated the people who want to donate, and that they're not going to donate next year because they're like, I already gave. They're fine. Everything's fine. Like. I'm not, I don't need to give this year. Or I remember doing the budgeting when COVID was just in China. Mm-hmm. And I remember there were some headlines like maybe, maybe it will get out. Maybe that this will be really bad. And um, I remember thinking when I was budgeting that you're like, okay, what if that kicks off some kind of bad, really bad recession where folks don't, they're like, I've got enough problems. I'm not going to donate to Thunderbird. Like that's the last thing I'm going to Imagine that happening. (laughs) And, but what I, and I, and it says in the budget that year, it says 
something like in the document itself, like that I submitted to the council, mm -hmm. the Thunderbird Council is the community governing body. Yep. Something along the lines of this accounts for, you know, the potential of a global recession from, uh, I don't remember how I put it in there, mm -hmm. but, you know, and um, what I was wrong in that we did have the pandemic, but people were stuck in their house in front of their computer, which actually had, I think, the opposite effect mm -hmm. where people were like staring at Thunderbird for a lot of time every day. And they're like, they see these appeal appeals or whatever. And they're like, yeah, okay. Like, sure. Like I'm, I'm still working. Not everybody, but you know, a lot of folks who were using Thunderbird for work mm -hmm. where they're working, they're like, they're like, I'm not spending my money on going out and stuff. I can give Thunderbird five bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, and that really helped. Um, it, but that's a long-winded way of acknowledging that you're right. We always planned and we always had runway for one year, and we still do. Mm -hmm. For one year, if donations completely stop, we have one year where we could, where if zero was coming in, we would have the runway to figure that out mm -hmm. and uh, to adjust the course. So... Okay, we, we can see what, like, the actual number is. A, a lot of people like to argue with what's actually happening based on their personal experience. Like, I, when I did my video on the Thunderbird funding, I had a bunch of people saying, no, I, I hate this. Why would anyone want, want this to be in another application? Because I suggested that maybe, like, KDE could do something similar or GNOME could do something yeah. similar. And I obviously had people who were like, no, how that would be terrible. What that? No. But, like... What community reaction did you actually see from this funding outside of the obvious it worked, you can see by the numbers? It's challenging because there's a lot of like, great, love it. I'm glad Thunderbird is going to continue to exist and improve mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as a tool. Um, there is not that much, but some people who are like, don't you know like spend the money this way don't spend it that way right and um but fortunately like if you actually look at the breakdown which is in the financial support uh, uh, financial report 80 percent of it is just essentially i guess that we marked it as personnel okay but like 90 percent of that <laughs> is engineers who are actively contributing code to the project. Mm -hmm. So like most of the money is going towards, you know, what people want. Mm -hmm. And and then outside of that, if you look at the breakdown, like uh, between like general and administrative, which is 6% and, uh, and professional services, which is five and IT and com or computer and tech, which is two. What is computer like, and tech in this context? So computer and tech is actual equipment for folks to work on. Right, okay. As well as some tooling, some tool chain, like stuff that they, folks need in order to develop software or that we think we need. And then um, would infrastructure be like under general administrative? It's, it's kind of split up depending on what kind of, because professional services 
encompasses like agreements that we have with like Mozilla Corporation, who has a lot of infrastructure that instead of us building it ourselves, we're like, we just want to use what you have because we are building on the same technology. Mm -hmm. But of course, it costs them time and money to maintain that and, and keep it running. And so we pay for things like that. And then uh, general administration also includes that, which includes other tools and things. And frankly, there is something and it doesn't, it truly doesn't represent that much of the spend. But when you get to a point where you have, um, we're now up to 30 people, 32 wow. people, the, the, just the cost of having that many people begins to be a significant mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and man, and and I, I don't want to say managing, but just like the cost of just operating, like that. just doing payroll um, and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, those are things that you know sometimes you get pushback from folks in the community, like why are you spending you know six percent on this stuff? And it's like, well, you know, we we spend the least amount that we can <laughs> in that area and still be able to you know, pay people and keep them contributing code. I'm sure the most annoying part is the 5.8% on donation processing fees. Yeah. You know, we have a really good deal on that. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've spent a lot of time trying to bring that low, but also like not just bring it low, but also provide a good experience because you, you can provide a bad donation experience. Mm -hmm which we which when i started we had which was i want to donate mm -hmm. okay i'm going to do a recurring donation okay great i want to cancel that recurring donation after a few months okay email me <laughs> and i'll turn it off i you know see. and like okay. and so you 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 eventually have to say like oh that's not ideal like you want folks to be able to do things without somebody actually in the background like pulling levers and so you know while you can go cheaper but you pay a price mm -hmm. in just convenience and man time and all of that stuff so right right but i but i i will say going down that rabbit hole like that is not the majority of feedback that is very rare feedback that we get of people hopping in there and we're we're really we, with this report, like I try to be as transparent as we can and also respect people's time. Like I have, I have encouraged people if they want to know more, they can ping me, you know, I'm in all the community channels, like, and I will explain it to them, you know, if they have a, if they have a good question, but like we, we, there's no, there's no like back room. Like we put everything in the report mm -hmm. and we try to make sure folks know exactly where their money is going because we think we're using the money so responsibly that when they see that, they'll be like, okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's actually where I want, that's what I want it going towards. Right. So there's always going to be people to complain no matter what you do, though. Like, that's, I, that, how do you, find yourself filtering out the people who are just complaining for the sake of complaining and the people who have like actual legitimate concerns? Uh, I mean, you can, 
you can pick that up pretty quickly. Um, one thing that that I do that that I'm I'm proud of, but is not necessarily good for my mental health, is even if somebody comes out and they yell, you know, or they're 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 kind of like saying things in a really confrontational way. Mm-hmm. I try to like set that aside and look like, are you, are you legit? Do you legitimately have like a concern or question that I can try to address? I try to ask them to clarify yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, I will do it. Mm-hmm. I will try to the best of my ability to answer that. When I have a lot of folks who, not a lot, I shouldn't say a lot. It feels like a lot because any one bad interaction is like big, bigger in your mind. Right. But I have some folks who come back and they tell me what, what we're doing. And, and I'm, and you know, that is the type of thing where I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I'm, I'm trying to engage with you, but if you're just going to tell me what we're what we're doing, which usually isn't correct, like they're like, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's a lot of it comes from like a dislike of Mozilla, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, the one that makes me the most upset is when folks are like, like, why do you need donations? You have all this like Google ad or Google search money. I'm like, no, you know, like literally Thunderbird is in a different a different company, and it's still yes, it's still owned by Mozilla, but there's been no, there has been no investment from Mozilla in Thunderbird since 2015. Mm-hmm. And so like the, so we're, we are completely donation funded. And if donations go away, Thunderbird goes away. Like there's no, there's no, and that's okay. Like we, we as a community and as a project believe that we should be self-sustaining, but what frustrates me is when folks tell me like, no, you have like Google ad money, like, you know, and I'm like, uh, listen, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like it, it, and and that's there, if there are frustrations, those are, those are it where, where um, folks are telling a story to themselves Mm -hmm. that isn't true, but you know, it's the internet. So you, you can only go so far in, in trying to convince someone of, how things are yeah if you explain to someone how it is and they still don't believe you like at that point you cannot reason someone out of a position that they didn't reason themselves into yeah and we have to release if you go to the mozilla website we have to release because we're owned by a nonprofit. the nonprofit must release their tax returns they own mzla which is where thunderbird is so they release mzla's information too mm-hmm. so you can see a lot there and you can see the delineation and like what what we get, what it's what you can see a lot of information about like what our business looks like. Mm-hmm. And you know you could if they, for instance, like were giving us Google ad or Google search money, you would see that in there. But you don't. You see it matches our revenue, you know. Uh, that we get from donations, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's yeah. not a very interesting document. Um, but you know, but so and and 
the other piece is some folks are really skeptical of Mozilla, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I can't say that that's, I can't say that, what am I wanting, what do I want to say here? It's okay, like they can have that opinion that they they just, for whatever reason, have decided that they don't like Mozilla as an entity. But I think for the open source community, it's really a sad thing because the people who make up Mozilla, in my experience, talking to all of these folks, and I talked to a lot of folks in the foundation and the corporation, they have the same values that a lot of open source members do around privacy, open source software, and and these di- and and the freedom to use software the way you want and not be and not be the product. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to meet anyone at Mozilla who doesn't share those values. And I feel like the community is harder on Mozilla than they are on the actual bad companies that do the bad things. And maybe that's because Mozilla holds itself to a higher standard. And and when they mess up, it's like hypocrisy you know, like hypocrisy, but any organization or set of organizations in the case of Mozilla that are as big as they are, are going to mess up occasionally. Mm-hmm. And like, but I feel the the other folks who frustrate me are folks who say like, Mozilla's bad, period. And it's like, and, you know, and then they're like, I don't use Firefox, I use Waterfox. And it's like, you realize like 99% of what you're using, 99.8% of what you're using is, you know, funded and developed in Mozilla. And I, like, I do love when people argue like, oh, I don't use Firefox. I use an outdated version. Like, okay, okay. yeah, you can go in like half, like this is the problem with a lot of the browser forks. A lot of them are browsers. I, I'm sure you can, you've spoken to people that, that work on Firefox. A browser is very difficult to maintain. And when it's like yeah. three dudes who are just volunteers who are like forking off for a project, like even just doing that, like that is going to be a massive nightmare to maintain. And basically all of them, you know, I, I don't think there is a big Firefox fork that's actually successful. There's, there are a couple of Chromium ones, but on the Firefox side, yeah, I think they're all basically just like volunteers and maybe a couple of people have like reasonable donations, but nothing's yeah. like actually keeping up well with the project. And 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 what's crazy is like the the Firefox folks, the engineers, you know, who are working on Firefox, they are like open source like true believers. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times they're actually like like okay, we've got this fork, something's wrong with it like how can we like let this person know or like fix it upstream and like get that patched down to them? You know, they care about those forks, even though like, you know, some of those, some of the, some forks in the world of any project are kind of like, you know, upstream, they're kind of like, oh, we do it better than upstream. We don't like upstream, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's, it's sad because um, I, I have a couple of friends. Well, one friend in particular who is well known on the internet. Um, and in the open source community, who really has it out for Mozilla. And I've had a number of conversations with them saying, like, what <laughs> you think, what you think is happening within Mozilla, it's like the complete opposite. When you're actually sitting in the rooms and you're listening to folks, 
Like what they're talking about first and foremost are like, how do we, how do we produce something in line with our values Mm -hmm. and any other consideration, money, whatever is a distant second. Mm -hmm. And and it's, and it is sad whenever you see folks who are criticizing the organization who, who are in this community, who, when you act, if they actually met the people who are working on it, they would not do that. They would be like, oh, this is a really good person who, you know, is trying to do like the right thing. I can't Um, speak for corporate, but from the engineers that I've seen out there, you know, just in the FOSS world, just like with Red Hat, the engineers, they're all great people. Like they're all doing great work. You might have issues with the way the company is run, specific things that corporate is doing, but people like you need to separate the people who are doing the groundwork from the company that you may have issues with. Yeah. But even the, I've spoken now to every member of Mozilla leadership, I think. Mm -hmm. And they all say they, if you ask them, like, how did you end up here? It's all something like, well, you know, in my career, I worked at, Google, I worked at Microsoft, I worked at Twitter, I worked at whatever, and their list goes on and on. Depending on how old they are too, it's a different list of companies, but like, Mm -hmm. and they're like, I felt like I was compromising my values in some way when I worked there. And I wanted to come to a place where I could bring my talent, but, but in support of the, in support of values that, that I thought were good and I agreed with. And, and, uh, and usually, in fact, almost everyone I know in leadership has a background in open source, in, in activism around like digital rights to privacy and things like that. And, and they are giving up opportunities at places where they could make a heck of a lot more money to, to try and do good. And... And I think that I think that some of the criticism that I have seen on the internet is just kind of unfounded because like I don't there's no one in it. There there is no one, period, that I have met at Mozilla who is there for money. <laughs> there are just the amount of talent you need to work on the products at Mozilla and their competitors you're competing against, like you, if you're good enough to work on a browser, that's trying to keep up with Chrome and, um, you know, edge and Safari doing a stack that is completely Mozilla, like, because Gecko, even though the rendering engine is, is also, completely in-house, it's the only independent one left on the planet. Like to do that is like so hard that if you're capable of doing that, you can go somewhere else and make mm-hmm. more money. Uh, so anyway, I'll get off that soapbox, but the folks who are working on Thunderbird, who are working on Firefox, who are working on the different products that Mozilla creates are doing it because they love open source, or they love, or they're, you know, a big proponent of privacy, of 
digital, um, like data sovereignty, you know, all these different things that Mozilla stands for. Mm -hmm. So end of, end of rant. So one thing we didn't really touch on earlier is what does the relationship between Thunderbird and Mozilla actually look like at this point? Well, you know, we're, so Thunderbird is a project. Right. And then you have to, and, th and that is community run. Mm -hmm. um, there is a elected council who uh, have what we call module ownership over the whole project. And they appoint module owners under them who manage the different parts of Thunderbird who are kind of the leader in each of those areas. So one would be like mail, another one would be calendar, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. those, aren't, those aren't always, and in fact, right now, I don't think most of them are employees of MZLA, mm -hmm. who is the, um, which is just the legal home for hiring people who work on Thunderbird. Now, uh, our relationship back to the foundation mm -hmm. is that NZLA is is um, obviously owned by the foundation as a subsidiary. Mm -hmm. They help us solve problems that, frankly, even for a team our size, we're still kind of small in that we encounter problems sometimes. For instance, like we, a company in China just like disputed our trademark oh that's you know cool. in china okay so like we're mostly engineers in mzla so we don't have the actual ability to like sort that problem out mm -hmm. and so you know the foundation and their expertise helps us sort that out mm -hmm. and and they do a number of things for us like that um and they own the trademark for for thunderbird and they own the trademark for firefox um and then uh, what else did I say? The Mozilla Corporation who makes Firefox um, is we collaborate on the things that we share, which we share quite a bit of things. And they're really helpful for solving problems at scale that, that are difficult for us to solve because um, they're, they're operating at, uh, you know, depending on what we're talking about, a 10 to 100x scale. So when when we're successful and we're like, oh my gosh, we're successful and we're encountering this new problem, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, it's okay. Like we know we've dealt with this problem before. We know how to solve it. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's like the, the, the way I would think about all these things. And, and now we're at a point where we fix problems in Thunderbird that also fix problems in Firefox. And of course, they fix problems for us too. Sometimes they create problems because we're downstream for them. But like, that's not really their fault. They're building a product, and then we. And one, the last thing I'll say, and we can talk a little bit about Supernova because it's relevant. Yes, is we have done a lot of work to decouple from the breakages. Mm -hmm. You know, because a browser is not a web, it's not an email client. Yeah, and we were reusing a lot of things from the browser that, frankly, we should have built ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so stuff was breaking that was like, well, really, if we stopped using the browser component for that, and we just made a component that's for email or calendar or insert, you know, feature here, mm -hmm. it wouldn't break because we would, we would, it would be purpose built mm -hmm. for what we're doing. And so, um, like I said, it's not their fault. It's just, 
it's just a matter of being downstream from somebody. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Supernova then. But <laughs> one thing before Supernova, there actually was a period where I was considering not using Thunderbird. Um, because before the update came out, I had this weird bug where if I deleted, I think, like, five or six emails at once, it just crashed every time. I don't know why. I never worked it out. As soon as the update came in, problem gone. I can delete a thousand emails. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I mean, email is hard. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about donations. Even six million, like, there are so many email providers out there and our users, like, you know, are using them. <laughs> They're using them. Mm-hmm. And like, you, there is a standard. IMAP is a standard, (laughs) but not everybody follows the standard right. And so, and and by not everybody, I mean like a lot of people. And like, so, so we're constantly finding issues with how folks are doing things. Mm -hmm. And there are two kind of ways to approach that, which we do both simultaneously. One, contact the provider, <laughs> say, hey, you're doing this weird thing. Did you mean to do this? And they they either say no, and we've had some really large providers say no and fix the problem on their end, or they say yes, at which point we have to do, we have to just say like, okay, well, what are we going to do to accommodate this weird way mm-hmm. that somebody's doing this? And so, uh, you know, that bug, could have been us, but but there are so many layers of interaction that it's kind of difficult to say. Mm-hmm. But you know, the the I guess the good thing is is that, and we'll we'll talk about this in a moment. In the past, you know, we had this ESR. I mean, that is what we are on right now. Like we were, we do a yearly release, we do point updates, but those can't have to be by the very nature of limited in what they do because you can't backport some things. Mm-hmm. And um, and that has been a challenge because sometimes you have things that aren't quite working right and you have to put a band-aid on it because you're like, we have the fix in the ESR, but because the next ESR, but because the problem is uh, maybe too large in scope, we have to like figure out how we're gonna solve it and then come back and and do the big thing that solves it in the in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but next year we're moving to a monthly release. People will still be able to get the ESR if, if they need that yearly cadence. But you know we're going to encourage most of our users to move to the monthly release because it allows us more freedom in how quickly we fix things and how we fix them, which will be really great for for. Um, solving problems like yours mm-hmm. i would assume yeah i don't know what the problem was it, it could have been any number of things um it was on gmail um, I, I don't know what the problem was. it doesn't happen mm-hmm. now so don't, i don't even need to think about it anymore um yeah when did the ui rework like become an idea that we started like getting floated around and like 20, how long did that 20, take to get done 2018, 2018. was when we produced you know, Wait, so when the that, project was like barely dead, or like barely alive? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I came on and I and I I was going around 
as a community manager, which I also did social media and stuff, and I was just asking folks, like, especially folks who came and used it, and then they said something in whatever channel to say, like, I used it, and I left, and I would reach out, and I'd say, why? What, what were the problem areas? And a lot of folks said, you know, like, the user interface, it's cluttered, it's hard to navigate, it's overwhelming. And when they would describe what they were trying to do, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were like, okay, we should at least come up with an idea of what, what this would look like to fix it. And so our UX architect at the time, now he's the, our uh, head of product engineering, but uh, at the time he was the UX architect, Alex, um, that's Alessandro Castellani. He came up with a really amazing, um, it, they're mock-ups, but they're more than mock-ups because they, they actually have like, if you look at all of them, they have the complete flows and everything. So you can kind of play around as if you're <laughs> using the application and see what that UX would be like. And what's hilarious, and I'm not accusing Microsoft of this, but What's hilarious is that got released, and then a year later, the new Outlook pictures got released, and they looked remarkably similar. Um, so that was fun. Um, we we released that, but we just as we went into figuring out what it takes to do that, we found out like there are a ton of architectural issues and technical debt that prevent us from making that change in any reasonable timeline. Mm-hmm. And that was depressing for me. That was like, you know, you're thinking like, I'm com- gonna come in, I'm gonna help make a really big impact. And then having to take a step back and say, well, what if it takes me three years to make that impact versus a year? Mm-hmm. You know, am I ready to hang on that long and like try to get through that? Mm-hmm. And uh and the answer turned out obviously to be yes, but it was it was tough to have to go through 20 years of code and essentially like audit like what do we what do we have to change in order to do this? And it was not trivial. Um, Mike Conley is a principal engineer on Firefox, but he started um, at Mozilla on Thunderbird back when it was in, uh, and and he's amazing. He's he uh, he produces a a video series called The Joy of Coding, where he, where he um, teaches folks um, how to, you know, ha- how to be a, essentially develop, you know, but using Firefox and using other projects in the Mozillaverse to, to uh, show that. And uh, he's just a lovely man. But he, he said, what you guys did was akin to moving an apartment building with people in it from the cliffside to a new location in town without everybody dying or you know something really bad happening and uh and that's what it felt like doing it it's like you know like we are changing these massive parts of the application that we rely on in many places and if we screw up and we don't catch that screw up, really bad things could happen to people's email data, which is not ideal. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but we did succeed. 
and we did finally ship at least the first iteration of the UX improvements that we had planned. And then next year, so June or July mm -hmm. 2024, we'll see what I think are going to be not, I, there's, it's never final, but you know, what it should be right. where I will sit back and say, okay, I'm pretty happy with, mm -hmm. with this. Yeah, I, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, this, like, it, it felt familiar, but, like, how, how, what's a good way to put it? Like, familiar but polished, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, we said a Thunderbird user who's been using this for 20 years should look at this and feel comfortable, mm -hmm. but it needs to have the, it needs to have a UX, it needs to ultimately be a UX that is better mm -hmm. and helps people be more effective at the tasks that they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And if you're on the UX team at Thunderbird, you hear me say things like, um, I'm sure they get annoyed by it, but like contextual, like in Thunderbird, it used to be that you had all the options everywhere. And so you right click on something and it's still not great. We're going to, you know, but like you right click on something and you had like this, this right click menu that was like, yep. went on forever. And there were things in there that you really couldn't even do in that context, but it's, but you know, maybe there was some way to do it with some settings on and, and what we ultimately decided was like, well, we can look and see what what is actually like relevant in this moment make sure that those are there and then if somebody has a more complicated use case you know we can expose that but but like make sure that the things that people need when they need it is there for them and not like an option out of a hundred but an option out of like the actual most relevant things and we have heat maps so we don't collect any personal data whatsoever, mm -hmm. but we do have interaction heat maps. So we see what points in the application, buttons, menu items, people are clicking on. And what that has allowed us to do, it was really funny because you talk about arguments on the internet. Like when we removed, I remember we, we didn't remove, we moved a couple of options in the menu and folks were like, why did you move that? That's that's like everybody's using that. That's like a perfect place for it. Mm -hmm. And and I remember have being like, I'm so glad I have these heat maps. And I showed it to them, <laughs> and it's like 20 million people over the course of a year clicked it like three times. And it's like it's like that might just be you, like <laughs> you know, like the yeah, yeah. you know, like this is not a this is not a used area of the application mm -hmm. and so adding that cognitive load of putting options there that no one's going to use is just making life more difficult and we as technical users think about things a little differently than most of our users who are um everybody thinks that most of our users are technical linux users that's not true at all um at all in any way, well, most of our users are are Windows users, firstly, and uh, 
And when we go out and we try to randomly interview our users, a lot of them are just normal people, you know, they're tax guy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, and I like, at my uh, stepdad's computer the other day. He's got a a Mac, uh, what you, iMac from like five years ago. He's always run Firefox, always run Thunderbird. He doesn't know. He he works on a farm. He's just like a a, yeah. a mechanic on a farm. Yep, and we have a lot of people like that. And when they encounter options that they don't understand, it burns t time for them because they're like, is that what I want? You know, and like, ultimately, if what we talked about earlier, if, if we're keeping something around for a small, small handful of users who use that feature in a way that it's not intended or something like that, mm -hmm. well, you know, that's not really a good reason to have that there. And if folks want to have that there, there's customization options to mm -hmm. to have it behave that way. But we're not going to make it the, the default. But Supernova, really hard, but turned out really well and laid a fantastic groundwork for all of the remaining changes we need to make for, I feel like, us to, in earnest, actually compete with the applications like Outlook. Mm -hmm. And I want to live in a world where folks don't use open source as a crutch, where they don't say like, I use Thunderbird because it's open source. Yeah. That's a great reason to, that's a great thing. That's great for Thunderbird. It's great that it is open source, but I want people to say, I use Thunderbird because it's the best right. tool for the job. Like Blender, and, for example. Like people don't yeah. care that Blender is open source. Blender is incredible. Yep, exactly right. And I feel like I've had people try to convince me the other way and say like, yeah, but you know, it's open source. So like, you don't like trying to convince me to not try to create the best product because, because of a disbelief that it can be. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't buy into that I, at all. I think open source is the enabler for us to be the best product mm -hmm. and we shouldn't be happy with being second best. Oh, but we're open source. Like we should be like, no, because we have uh, this, what I consider the right way to make software, we're able to build the best thing. Yep. I think this goes back to what we were saying before, where when you're trying to sell whatever term you're trying to you want to use for it. you're just trying to like get someone to use a program like thunderbird it's great that it's open source but those other things like having all your email uh, all your email accounts in one location like that's so much more important the fact that it's open source to someone who doesn't write a line of code like in their entire life they don't even know what source code is like, it doesn't matter that it's open source to them the fact that it's free probably matters a lot more but yeah the open source really only matters to the people that already care about open source. This is a problem yeah. that I've I brought up with like the FSF with their messaging. They're great at like shilling to free software people and yeah. nobody else. Like people who already yeah. agree with you, they agree with you. You don't need to convince them. Yeah, the problem, one problem we have in the open source community too is 
our developers, not all of them, not most of them, but some of them, and this is true at every in every community. Mm -hmm. They just the and and it holds back good open source software. They're they're making these arguments like, you know, this is this is like like every user is like them. Right. And what what I what I try to kind of help folks see is like in this mailing list for developers, mm -hmm. we're in a bubble. Yeah, right yeah. Just the fact that you're on a mailing list puts you in a bubble. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like and it's like trying to say like I acknowledge the point you're making, but if you actually go and you talk to the normal Thunderbird user, mm -hmm. they're just what you're pitching is just doesn't work doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. And and so you know, I, I see this a lot in open source software where they're, they want, they say things like, we want to be more successful with your normal user, but then they build for the power user. And, and what I think about that is that you should enable the power user to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. But if you really want, to reach just normal folks, you know, build the defaults to those people yep. and then enable the power users to, because they, they're going to learn how to do it. They're going to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. They're going to figure out how to do the crazy stuff. You can make it easy for that to happen. But, but you know, like for Thunderbird, we're too far down this road of we have 80% of, 80, 90% of normal you know, folks who, who aren't developers using the application, like we need to build for them. And then by the way, like we are going to make sure that everything that we build has the ability for you to customize it to mm -hmm. meet your special needs. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. So you want to have a streamlined core feature set and, and then for people who want to expand out uh, from that, have those tools easily accessible, but not in a way that overwhelms someone who's just trying to do that like basic functionality. Yeah, I mean, most people want to see their emails mm -hmm. on Thunderbird, reply to those emails, mm -hmm. and write new emails. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what they that's and what they want to do. If you happen to use it for business, I guess also make a new event, and that's pretty much yeah. That's, that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so for us, it's like let's make those activities work really really well. Mm -hmm. And then the other activities that folks tell me that they're doing, let's make sure that you can do them, but that's not going to be, you know, a significant part of our time trying to figure out how you can do. I wish I had good examples. They're all, they're all very interesting, but very <laughs> obscure, you know. Anything um, involving RSS already puts you into the weird category. Yeah, or... You know, it's like it's like I'm not actually using a mail server. I'm connected to you know the mail direct the mail in actually like system folder in you know my Linux installed. Oh, you know, and, you know it's like yeah. it's like I understand that you're using this tool for that purpose, but that's not 
the main use case that we're focused on. Like mm -hmm. that is something where like we really we really are going to spend 99% of our time on these main use cases and then we will help you if you want to help us make improvements to this mm -hmm. to this use case. So, <laughs> yeah. So, what has been the reaction to the new UI cuz I personally really like it. Um yeah. But obviously considering like, you know, the old UI's been around for a while. There's going to be a lot of nostalgia for, like, what it was. And I, I, there are a couple of Reddit posts I've seen, like, how do I revert back to the old look? Like, what happened to the old look? What has been... Has it been, like, a general positive reception to it? And Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few indicators, because we were really worried about that. There's a few indicators that we use. <laughs> One is obviously, what do we see? What do people tell us? What do people write us? What do people post? Um, it's challenging because most people who like it don't go out of their way to post on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And and people will always, the change is hard and we're not oblivious to that. In fact, we've talked a lot about that. Like we didn't want to, we wanted to make it so that folks would have the same experience or a very, very similar experience, you know, when they updated. So we, if you're if you're the car view is new, but there's still the list view, and we don't change that. If you're on list view, you're on list view when you update, and and um, the other thing that I looked at really closely was, frankly, um, the pings, the daily active user pings. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't see any information about the user, but we do get ping like. How many you use, you know, when you update or when you start it, the client asks for an update, you know, things like that, you know, like, are these numbers changing? And the answer is not really at all. Um, and so if, if the changes were very detrimental, no one really left, <laughs> you know, and so and in fact, it looks like we've gained users. And so the the thing is, like, I kind of like take everything with a grain of salt. I listen to the concerns about, you know, the changes we made. But then I also like leverage that against are we seeing any behavioral changes as a result? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, and I have to say, let's try to address these problems that people are raising, but I do, on the whole, I don't think we've made um, a mistake here. And in fact, um, what I've heard a lot of folks say, so the changes were for our existing users, but they're also based on a lot of feedback from people who came and used it and left. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to be an application that before this, we had this user number and it would go down slightly year over year, very, very slightly. Mm -hmm. And, but still going down. Yeah. And we were like, okay, we're not gaining new users. We're, we're key rate retaining users and just slightly losing them. But, you know, I, I, I made perhaps the morbid observation that maybe our users are dying. Like they're, you know, like because the because it was so gradual. Optimist. Yeah, but 
we it was so gradual that like it was like I'm sure it's a number of reasons they get a new computer, they sure, sure. Them, things like that. But and then we roll out this update, and and like I said, one of the things you look at is like, wh- what are people doing? Mm-hmm. Is activity going up? The answer appears to be yes. Mm-hmm. So okay, that's that's a good indicator across the what data we do have. And then you ask people, you try to ask both your hardcore people and your normal folks as much as you can randomly to see like, what do you think? And on the whole, my conclusion and and those who have done these, um, this data gathering with me have concluded that folks generally like the changes. With any change, there are things that you that you learn or that whether it's on the user side they learn and then they're like, you know, okay, at first I didn't like it, but after a month I got my muscle memory changed and now I like it. Or they say, this is still a problem and we go, we go back and we look and we say, okay, like, do they have a point? If the answer is yes, then we fix it. And you'll see with the new update this new year, you'll see fixes for things that we learned like, okay, we know how we got there, but folks had issues with that. And so we changed it. One thing I have noticed reading through some of the comments, like none of these threads are like super popular, but one thing I have noticed in a lot of these threads, and I'm sure you've probably seen people complain about this, things like readability because their theme is terrible. Like, they don't realize that the theme is what is causing the problem, not the actual design itself. Like, it'll be... The theme will have, like, a slightly mismatched colors, and, like, it's setting an icon to be black when the background is also black, when it has nothing to do with the application itself. Oh, man. Yeah. Welcome to... (laughs) Welcome to the world of, of difficult interactions where... You're you're getting these bug reports, and you're like, "What is this person seeing?" Mm-hmm. So you're like, "You need to upload a screenshot. You need to see." And then you realize that it's something that, like, you have limited control over. And then, and then we try to, and yeah, we try to address that by reaching out both to the, like, for instance, I've I know because I've experienced this now this exact problem a few times. Mm-hmm. Reach out to the theme developer, say, hey, you know, Ryan here, like, <laughs> we got some reports that your theme looks messed up on the new version. Do you, you know, do you want to update it? Uh, we can provide some feedback. And then also going to user and being like, you know, yeah, cool theme, but you may want to change to a different theme to have a better experience. And and that that's difficult. And and Thunderbird is so old and has so many add-ons and stuff like that 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 you you find that like there's a lot of cases where you're just like you're just like well it says in our support stuff go into safe mode which is the version that loads without custom add-ons okay is it still broken all right but you know that's just playing that's just a part of the game and and making big changes and like we talked about big changes come with consequences and you know you never really you don't test against a 15 year old 
thing. Yeah, yeah. In your testing, like I mean, maybe you do, but and I do. We do have a lot of testers in the community who who have interesting setups, but stuff slips through where you're like, we just didn't, we just didn't. I wasn't even remotely on our radar. Right, right. Yeah, there's, you can't really do anything about a theme that just hasn't been updated. Like that's, it, it, you can design the UI in a way that it makes sense for the major themes. Like you know, yeah. you, you that that's understandable. But like, there's so much out there, and then there's in like there's users making their own themes. Like you you can't address every single use case. You've just got to like make it clear like if you are reporting a problem like. What is a problem with us, and what is a problem with someone else? And I guess that's that's sort of why there is that whole like don't uh what it, don't theme my apps thing that was coming from some GNOME you know, developers. Like I understand that from the developer side, like you don't want to deal with this. Like this is not our problem. But yeah. I I, we, I don't, yeah. We uh, my the UX and UI team, you know, are honestly all but one are. Linux users, mm -hmm. but if you ask them, like, what is the most annoying thing? It's like random Linux user who's using a really, really crazy theme, mm -hmm. and like the amount of time spent for a very small amount of users trying to trying to contact the people who can help fix that problem is like just unfortunate, but. You know, it's a price we it's a price you pay for being a really versatile, customizable app. And we're willing to pay that price. And what I would ask anybody, you know, who's posting on Reddit is just like, we didn't try to break you, but we will try to fix you if you help us understand what mm -hmm. it is you're seeing and and what what your setup is. Mm -hmm. um, we do we do in earnest try to fix folks, but I, I do feel for the folks who say, don't feed my app, because I feel that way a lot of days where I'm like, well, you're you're using this theme that I've never heard of, and I'm trying to understand like who I need to contact to try to fix this, you know, like, and uh, just bear with us. Yeah. Because yeah. we'll, we'll try to help you, but it's, it's, we can't account for everything. But on the whole, I'm really happy with Supernova and I know how the team is and I know, you know, I think that, you know, overall folks will, once they get used to it, you know, even the folks who are posting in these threads and stuff and they have concerns, I think it, we're dealing with 20 years of muscle memory and, um, just habits and stuff once they see mm -hmm. that this is once they get used to it i feel like they'll be like okay yeah this does make me faster more capable of managing my email and frankly the stuff we changed was technology that was a lot of it was old and it's not used anywhere anymore mm -hmm. and it was breaking and a lot of the bugs people wanted us to fix we just couldn't fix because it's like that will require ripping all of this out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember one person in particular telling me they hated the changes. But then when I talked to them about the bugs that they had reported and, you know, were constantly bringing up, I was like, 
this is what had to happen to fix those bugs. Like there's the, the before the, the stack that we were using mm-hmm. was the ca- cause of these bugs. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, one thing we haven't really touched on, we like briefly mentioned it, uh, the mobile version of Thunderbird. The uh, How did the whole stuff with K9 Mail come about? Like, what's the deal there? I was going to Fosdem, and I wanted to talk to Keddy, who maintained um, K9 Mail, mm-hmm. because I, I thought, well, at the very least, K9 Mail looks like what I think Thunderbird on Android would be. And so I said, I, at first I started talking to him thinking, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll become sister projects, not, not in the same organization or anything, but just we'll push users there who want to use something on mobile and they can say, if you want to use something on desktop, go here. But as I started talking to Keddy and it comes back to this sustainability thing, hmm. he was like, I shouldn't say anything he wouldn't say, but he was like, essentially, you know, this was a project of passion for him mm-hmm. and not something that paid the bills. Right. And, you know, he was looking at, um, I, I'm not going to do this justice because he would explain it better, but he was kind of looking at like, what am I going to do, you know, in order to actually pay the bills? And then like, what's what's going to happen to K9 as a result? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm sure he would have continued maintaining it, but it just maybe wouldn't have been as much of a focus as it had been. Right. And uh, I thought, what a shame. Like, you know, we we could try to help this project become more sustainable. Mm-hmm. And and we start we started talking about that. But then eventually I was like, you know, why work in these silos when frankly we could just combine forces mm-hmm. and try to bring these two products in line with each other mm. and these two communities, which are focused on all these same problems, like you have to solve the same problems in both spaces. Mm-hmm. So at least coming together and working on these problems in both, in both projects at the same time made a lot of sense. And just as we talked, it became clear that we should come together and, and, and work together. And, um, and I'm glad that, I was really worried about our community's reaction to me coming to them and saying, maybe we should adopt canine. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, when we sat down and we really talked it through, everyone agreed, like, yeah, this makes sense. And a lot more sense than us trying to build something from scratch mm-hmm. on the platform. Right. Because you're uh, saying that it's it's basically what you wanted to do anyway. So you'd just be like duplicating effort for the most part. Yeah. And 90, what is it? I have the stats somewhere. Mm-hmm. 98% or 99% of email users. It's some insanely high stat mm-hmm. using all their phone. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people who just don't really use computers. Like, Especially if you're like growing up now and your first computing device is a phone. Like a lot of people, it's going to get worse. Like there's going to be more people who just don't use computers. It's going to just be phones. Yeah. And in the Delta, I wish I had the stat here. I didn't, that's one thing I didn't bring with me to 
to this conversation, but the Delta is there's a lot less people who check their email on their desktop and check it on their phone. Right, right. And so I also thought like, if we don't, if we're not doing something in in the mobile space, I I think we'll kind of fade into obscurity. Um, and and I was kind of I was just worried about that. And frankly, phones are like you said, they're they're the computing device that's most used. And so if we're going to create software that has our values, that, that touches the most people, we need to be there. Mm-hmm. And K9 was so, clo- so closely aligned with what, what our values were and what we, were, what we believed in as far as all these things, customization, freedom, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we were like, if we bring our expertise and our talent and our developers to this project, we can rapidly improve mm-hmm. K9. And, and that turned out to be true. And, and if you watch the K9 development pace, it's really picked up this past, mm-hmm. what is it, year in change. I, I'm sort of the opposite. I, I cannot stand checking email on my phone. I don't want it. <laughs> I, my phone exists as like a youtube box basically and occasionally yeah. i will use like facebook messenger because that's what my family uses but i get the fact that people want to do that like it's 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 not for me maybe i'll give it a try um i just don't really tend to find that to be a i don't, I don't like typing my phone like that's the main thing for me so i if i'm gonna look at emails i'm probably gonna be replying to emails and i don't really want to reply on my phone so it's not what yeah. i'm gonna do yeah yeah Makes total sense. It makes total sense. It, it. I was looking at the um the Play Store score for K nine, and it seems like it, it. There's always like I, I don't know how much weight you put on Play Store reviews because it seems like whenever anything changes, like it just gets like slammed well, a bunch of one stars. You also have to look. You know the changes they're complaining about were were from before. Mm. You know K nine was a part of us and. The um, the thing is, K9 has been around for a very, very long time mm-hmm. as well. It was a fork of the original Android email client, not the not the Google like Android. Email oh, client. okay. And um, and so we're talking about reviews for you know forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for a long time. You can go and look. I I I can't think of what the earliest one is off the top of my head, but I bet it's like probably more than 10 years old easily. And so you're talking about so many versions of the application that the score exists against. And honestly, what we're going to do is we're going to keep that store, Play Store listing open mm-hmm. and deliver updates to it. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're renaming K9 Thunderbird on Android and we're creating a new because we we don't think first off we don't think that reflects it and secondly there's just a lot of um, I guess what we've done over this past year and what we'll continue to do till Thunderbird on Android's release is we've just really defined like what makes um, an app Thunderbird on Android mm. and that is going to be a different set of things than what has made K9 K9 right right. Um, I think it will be improvements, and I think that folks 
will appreciate that, canine users, but but it is a different set of things. And um, and so uh, folks can try out what's happening you know, today with K9, and you can even opt into the beta on the Play Store, but you'll see, you know, throughout uh, the first half of 2024, some pretty big changes, and then Thunderbird for Android as a result of that. And I'm sure the uh, sort of UX design principles that go into working on a mobile device are very, very different from what you would do on desktop. They are there are some similarities, but there but there are some di- key differences, and um, you know, fortunately, people get that. I, you know, I was kind of worried that our folks who came from the Thunderbird community start commenting on the Android stuff mm-hmm. might not always get that, but everybody got it, and everybody understands. Like you're dealing with limited screen space, you're dealing with a totally different set of just everything Mm -hmm. you know and so like uh whether it's interaction or connection things like that so there's just a lot of different uh considerations that go into how you build a a mobile client Mm -hmm. and uh, i think we've done a really good job and i i have to just say like the canine community too is just an is an awesome community and and I expected some pushback when Keddy shared like that this is what he wanted to do. He, he thought it was best for the project to join Thunderbird. I didn't get, I don't remember getting any negative feedback. That might not be true, but it, I'm sure I don't I can find something dig far enough. I'm sure you can too. But like, <laughs> as far as like people who are active in the community, you know, they just were like, yeah, like let's do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's awesome to hear. Like, it's great to hear that people are just like, you know what? Let's just see what happens. Like, you know, obviously people might be a bit worried, like, okay, what's going to change here? But before anything's really, like, being done, it, it's, it's weird to just, like, instantly have a negative reaction to it. Like, Thunderbird's been around for a long time. It's clearly been, like, a successful email client. And especially now with the whole, like, massive increase in funding, like, it, Thunderbird have clearly shown that they know what they're doing. So let's just see what happens with K9. You know, it it could go badly. If it does, well, you know, something new could be tried. But yeah. there's no point just, you know, ditching the idea. Just It's not like, you know, Microsoft comes along with like, we're going to work on K9 now. Like, that, that's, it, it's not that. It's it's someone, it, it's, a, it's a proven open client. Let's just see how it goes. Yeah, um, that's exactly, and that's exactly what we got. And that's, I'm, I'm really grateful that, that that is what we got. And, and like I said, from the other side too, Thunderbird folks were like, you know, we should tell a story on mobile. Let's, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully that but, ends up, oh, go on. I, don't know. I was going to say, hopefully that ends up um, going well in the long run. Because right now it's, it's what, it's only been, what, a year or so? Not even that? Yeah. Well, it's been a little, I think it's, you know, I, I can always get these things wrong when I don't have them in front of me, but I think it's just been a little over a year mm-hmm. and uh, and I and it's been going very, very well. The uh, blog um, post came out in June, but I, I don't know if there was things happening before the blog post where it was announced. 
Oh, maybe it maybe it has been less. It's feels like it's been a while. I'm sure but there have like been discussions said, happening before like it was publicly announced. So it might have been yeah, a year yeah. with that. Like I said, this was this came out of conversations over I think two or three years at Fosden. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was just like we just picked it up every right, time right. we got together and, yeah, and yeah. talked it through. So for me it's like goes way back. Mm-hmm, right. Um, but yeah, take, jumping out of Android, and uh, unfortunately, I'm running out of time, so I yeah, no, that's no, all good. Uh, I want to wrap this up soon, anyway. Yeah, but um, you know, we also want to do something in iOS, and we have a ton of users who use iOS, and we, unlike with Canine, we haven't been able to identify an open source email client in in that's maintained and that's or you know, in good shape. And, and frankly, it's very hard to even just find any period. But um, so we're going to have to build something new there. But I think that'll be a really cool opportunity for folks to get involved who are using iOS devices and are like, hey, I'd love to have my say kind of make, shape the future of what is going to be built here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun to just build something. I would say from scratch. I, mean, I don't really want to use the word from scratch because I know there are good open source libraries that we can leverage to take care of some of the stuff we have to do mm-hmm. um, in the iOS world. But yeah, it'll be great to build something from scratch and to be able to think from the very beginning, like versus K9 and Thunderbird, which are existing. Like if we were just starting fresh, which we are, what, how would we do this? How would yep, we architect yep. this? How would we build it? Mm-hmm. So that'll be a lot of fun. I think we'll start that work. I mean, I know we'll start that work at the beginning of 2024. The question is, you know, how long does that work take to actually get into the hands of users? Yep, yep. And uh, unless they're on like, unless they're downloading it and using it, whatever the alpha, you know, is like, cause it will be open source, but like, I don't know. It'll probably be, I would guess it would be 2025 when we actually get normal people using it. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully that goes well. Um, and since you need to head out, let's uh, wrap it up here unless there's anything quick you want to mention. I, I will mention that, you know, there are a couple of things coming down the pipe that uh, I guess is a good way to close it that um, I think folks will find interesting. We, when we were looking at Outlook and we were looking at the other folks in this space and kind of like trying to figure out how we fit or stacked up against them, mm-hmm. one thing I didn't love is, you know, Outlook and, and, and Gmail, which is a different story, but they have these really slick um, features around whether it's setting appointments with folks in an automated way or doing things, you know, these complicated kind of cloud things mm-hmm. that are really useful. But, you know, if you're just Thunderbird running on somebody's machine are hard to pull off in a way that's actually good. Right. And so we've invested a little bit of our time and money into trying to build open source tooling around that stuff that we're going to run in the cloud on as a service 
that will allow people to do this, but also folks can run on their own if they're interested in in having their in in having that be under their control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fortunately, they're all built around privacy respecting, you know, like whether it's end-to-end encryption or you know these other ways in which we make sure that their personal data isn't just like sitting in our hands. And so, you know, that's so hopefully folks will feel comfortable using the servers we spin up to do these things. But if they don't, they can run it and that's all fine. But that's something that um, I expect to also roll out in 2024, at least some initial services to see, do people love this? Do they hate it? You know, and then that will inform what we do going forward. But the only, the the conclusion we came to is the only way to be able to actually offer a competitive experience, we're gonna have to do some things not on device. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll be completely optional. People don't have to use any of these features, but if they want to leverage, you know, what can be done off their computer, mm-hmm. they'll have the option to do that. And then, um, so that's my tease for, for you and your audience. But, uh, the and I will share, and I'll share it with you when it's time, mm-hmm. uh, an early access sign-up form that folks can go and sign up and get get pulled into, I guess, a closed beta. Mm-hmm. That sounds um, really cool. It is. It is. I can't, I don't feel, I don't want to tell anymore yet until sure, sure, we sure. are closer to open sourcing everything because I feel bad like saying like, this is what we're on, but you can't look at it today. <laughs> the reason being is we want it. We know when we open source it, everybody and their mom is going to yep. have an opinion. So yep. we want to make sure it's good mm-hmm. before we do that. At least good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the last thing that I'll say is, you know, we right now we have this big campaign at the end of the year fundraising around, you know, we're trying to reach a certain goal to make it so that we have all of the resources we need to do Android and iOS to like the level we want to do it at. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's like, we're so close to that goal. And so what I would encourage your folks to do in your audience, if they, if every, based on your YouTube views, <laughs> if everybody who was in your audience mm-hmm. went and gave five bucks, we would crush our goal for this year. And what that means is more developers working on the mobile clients, you know, and we're not, where we're not in a position where we have to say like, okay, well, this is just going to have to take longer because, you know, we just don't have the people to move as fast as we want to. So that's my closing thing is if you love Thunderbird or if you're interested in the direction we're going or, and, or you don't aren't happy with your mobile clients, like, please consider going over and donating to Thunderbird because we're going to be so close to having exactly the amount we need for next year in order to do all the things that we hope to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't mean we're not going to do them, but, you know, if we hit that goal, then we can, we don't have to make compromises. So um, that's my closing thing is like, if folks 
like what we're doing or are interested in it, please go and donate and help us have another great year so we can do all the things and free the inbox. Where can they go to donate? What, what do they need to go to? Just go to thunderbird.net. There's a donate button right at the top. Hit that. And like I said, literally five bucks. If folks get five bucks, it will go a long, long way. Or, you know, our average is 17 bucks, which is great. That's a pizza. If you're willing to cook for yourself tonight and give, you know, what you would spend on a pizza or takeout or whatever, you can help us get so much closer to this goal. And, mm-hmm. and we might hit that goal anyway, but it just, I would love to just at the end of the year be able to say, yes, thank you, everybody. You, we did it. We're going to be able to do the things that we had decided are important. And, you know, we've got the resources to do. Mm-hmm. Well, when some of this fun stuff starts coming out, I would definitely do this again and chat about it. Um, I, I, it sounds like you got some cool things in store and hopefully, hopefully they, they all come together. Yeah. So, we, go on. I was just going to say, we, this is the side note or maybe the extra footnotes. We as a community and we as a, as a folks work on Thunderbird also, more cool stuff is going to come because when we learn, when we learn and we grow and we learn how to do new things, we learn about other new cool things that we can also do. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's, it's this flywheel that just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, if there's anywhere else you want to direct people to, um, let them know and then we can do my sign off. No, that's just, I just want folks to go to thunderbird.net, download Thunderbird if you're not using it today, donate if you are, and download K9 if you want to see where we're going with um, the mobile app. Awesome. That's it. Okay, so as for me, if you want to go watch my gaming stuff, I stream on Brodeon Games twice a week. Right now I'm playing through probably Neptunia Sisters versus Sisters and uh, Neo The World Ends With You, so have fun with that one. Lots of anime garbage. Um... If you want to see my Linux videos, might talk about Thunderbird there. I don't know. We'll see what comes up. Uh, that is Brody Robertson. I do Linux videos there six days a week. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, you can find the video version on YouTube at Tech Over T. If you're watching the video version, you'll find the audio on any podcast platform. There is an RSS feed. You could put the RSS feed in Thunderbird if you want to. I don't I do that, but the, the option is there. Yeah, <laughs> so it's very possible. Give people the final word. How do you want to sign off? Yeah, Brian... Check me out on Mastodon. Ryan and Mastodon does. Ryan we typed at Mastodon though, so sorry. It's starting to get late here. Okay. Um, and then Thunderbird and Mastodon.online. Awesome. And that's the best place to follow us. Catch you guys later. <laughs> See you.